Hello, everybody. Welcome to Faith Brook Church. It is so good to worship together, both on site and online. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo, and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest with us this morning, we are so stoked that you are here. In fact, I want to encourage you to go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. And when you go to this website and you enter your name and email, two things will happen. One, I would love to personally connect with you and just welcome you. And two, we would love to make a $5 donation to Feed My Starving Children anonymously on your behalf. We do this every week to celebrate new guests showing in because we love it when guests join Join in and worship with us. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf. Well, our mission here at Faithbrook is to love God, love people, and journey together. And one of the best ways we live this out is through local outreach. We firmly believe that as the church, we should be serving our community and that God uses us to make a difference. So for this month, we are partnering with our sister church, Mosaic Christian Community down in St. Paul. We are coming alongside them as they venture into this new breakthrough ministry in building six tiny homes to help provide affordable housing and build community for those who have been affected by homelessness. One of their projects, because they, these homes don't have plumbing, is to retrofit their building to provide a communal kitchen, a laundry, and bathroom facility. So our part in coming alongside them is to help raise funds to build these communal spaces. So if you're sitting there and you are wanting to be a part of the mission and make a difference in our community, the best way to do so is through the Church Center app. You just click on the giving button at the bottom and make sure to click on the Mosaic Settled Project dropdown to make sure that the money goes to the right fund. I look forward to what God does in and through us in this communal project. Well, this time as we continue in worship, let's welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as he gives our message this morning. How many of you know what this device is up on the screen? Oh, some of you say, oh, that's a compass. I have one right in my hand. This device has helped navigate people for centuries. But how many of you know why there's always a pointer with the red paint on it? Uh, so some of you explorers like, yeah, that, that's always going to point to north. <clears throat> the magic of a compass is that the magnetic pool is going to point that red to wherever north is. You line up your compass, then you know where east, west, and south is. And because of this unique device, it has saved countless lives through the centuries and helped get people to their destinations because of one thing. They knew where north was. Do you think in our society today, we have a true moral north or a society today know where to get their values? Should we have a truth north when it comes to beliefs and values? Well, we're going to explore that question this morning. But first, I just want to welcome you. I'm Pastor Jim. Thank you for coming today. Faithbrook, it's a beautiful day. Thank you for watching us online. Spring is breaking. But I also know that it's been a very tough week in the Minnesota uh, metro area. Uh, things are dicey. Things are uh, um, tight. And so we just pray for God's help through these next couple of weeks. I think this is kind of the inspiration, the backdrop of this April series called Rock Solid. 
because a lot of things are shifting and up for grabs and uncertain in our society. <clears throat> so maybe there's a, the nature in us is like, you know, what can we count on? Uh, what is rock solid? Because everything else seems to be shifting out there. Now, last week, we discovered that what can be rock solid is that no matter what waves come your way, Christ is with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even to the end of the age, I will be with you. You can count on me. I'm rock solid. Now today, we're going to be exploring that question about what is true north, uh, especially when it comes to our values and opinions and morality, etc. I, I thought it was pretty cool this last year. I've noticed that people are using a new hip phrase out there. It's called, you do you. Have you heard that before? Man, you just do you, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, on the surface, I th- that's pretty cool, right? It's like, hey, you be yourself. You just be authentic. I kind of like that, man. You, you do you. However, I would ask the question, does this ever spill over into mm, theirs or our morality and beliefs? In other words, hey, you just do you, what you believe, what you think is right and wrong. You just make up your own mind. In fact, some would say our culture is bending where um, the, 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 the red pointer uh, is always pointing not to the north, but always pointing to the self. Wherever you walk, the truth and the true north is going to be you. Whatever you think is correct, whatever you think is legit, that's the true north. In fact, I heard a, um, a writer out there, Susan Chang, who said the bravest people are the ones living their truth despite of faith. They're living their truth. Whatever their true north is, whatever they think is right, hey, just live that. And whatever, maybe whatever your friends think, your group thinks, you do you, you live your way. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. We are now living in a postmodern culture in America Ben Pierce, head of the Steger International Ministries, was sharing on one of his uh, video curriculums that we have to offer our church. It's called Right Now Media, and he has a curriculum called Jesus in a Secular World. How would Jesus approach a secular world? We wanted to kind of set it up. He kind of gives his perspective of what he sees in our secular world today. And he says, we have never been more connected, yet more alone. Thousands of digital relationships, but very few real ones. He says we are sexually confused and a lot of times broken. We have rejected all traditions, all religions, all norms. We are now free to do what we want, to, with whoever we want, whenever we want. Yet, according to Ben Stinger, we have never been more confused on who we are, about the point of life, And what is right and wrong? Do you think he has a point there? His perspective is kind of on point. He continues on. The new way to look at life is through some lenses. And he offers that the new lenses are through secularism and relativism. Now, the word secular kind of refers to death to religion, death to Jesus, the church. Uh, The Bible is kind of outdated something that uh, my parents or our grandparents used to appreciate. It's kind of dead. It's outdated. Now, modern secularism, he states, is not so much hostile to God, but it's a rather a total indifference to God or the things of God. People out there just like, hey, you know, the Bible, God, it's just 
I don't know, it's not relevant. It doesn't really fit into my lifestyle. In fact, he backs this up with a recent Pew Research study. When they looked at the census in America, they noticed a lot of young adults are checking the box none when asked the question, are you affiliated with any religion? Mm, No, none. Over 30 million people are trending that way. Don't need it. Don't see the relevancy, is it? That's modern secularism. Now, relativism means death to truth. Uh, Truth used to be something outside of us, something transcendent, something bigger than our opinions or our, our thinking. It was something more of a God thing or a higher power. Uh, something would point us to what is right and wrong. However, today, truth is within ourselves. what we think. It's a matter of preference. It's a matter of opinion, and it can change. This year, we think this is right, and next year, maybe, no, it's not right, and it's just in ourself versus transcendent. Maybe they have a point. Maybe we don't need a true transcendent moral point out there. Maybe you've entertained these thoughts or you're watching online and said, yeah, I'd rather just make up my own mind on what's right and wrong. I I really don't need a true moral north. Uh, Some people say, well, why should we even believe in that Bible and especially organized religion? There's been a lot of scandals. There's hypocrisy and and no thanks. Many people in our day say, hey, I don't need anybody judging me. Who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? I can find the truth myself, and I don't, I don't need your opinion. I'm just going to do me, right? My, my truth. Now, as a result, we, we notice that our, our society is just kind of up for grabs. What is wrong, right, and wrong? How do we treat each other? What are the principles? What are the values that we can be based on or we're based on? And because of it's up for grabs, we see a lot of social ills out there. That's, that's um, discouraging or concerning. So how can we find what is rock solid? Where is our moral true north? And if we can find it, can we count on it? Is it true and real? Well, for many of you, you know where I'm going. Uh, at one time in America, the, the, the moral true north was God's holy word, his, his Bible, uh, if you were a Christ follower, been a Christ follower, you, you would maybe hang your hat on what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, which he writes to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God. Other translations, that all scriptures were God-inspired, inspired by God. It was God who gave the thoughts to pen through human men to write down on these manuscripts his thought. It was breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching. The New uh, Living Translation talks about to, to what is true, what is right, uh, is profitable. goes on and says, hey, it, it's good for uh, teaching and for reproofing. In other words, exposing what is wrong and even helping us to course correct here for correction and for training in righteousness. That's, that's a, not only a relationship with God, but how do we re- interact with other people? Training for righteousness, that the men of God may be competent. In other words, the people of God might be competent to do what? Equip for every good work. 
that we are salt and light, that we are examples. And so the word of God trains us and teaches us and directs us on what is right and wrong. It's our true north. It's our, it's our moral direction. Well, some people say, well, that's good for you, Jim. You seem to be confident, but I'm not certain. I'm not sold because there's other people, other religions that they have a holy book also. They say it's been inspired by God. What makes your book, your holy book, more authentic or uh, real compared to some other philosophies or other um, holy books out there? That's a good question. Well, one of the things that helps us to just anchor in is an acronym called MAP, M-A-P. And I'd just like to explore this acronym. For instance, the letter M stands for manuscripts. So if you do some research about Bible, where was the originality of the scriptures and the manuscripts, you know it's an ancient book. In fact, when you start digging around trying to find some of these ancient parchments or these scrolls uh, and, and languages, you'll find that there's very few um, papers or manuscripts all the way back in the Old Testament times before Christ. They just did, didn't have the wherewithal. In fact, the paper they were on didn't last. But sometimes they'd find some. Well, there were some historical figures out there, and they'd find a couple of their documents, a couple of their writings. But what they mostly started finding and digging up is a massive amount of Bible manuscripts all over the place. Huge amount compared to other philosophers or teachers in that day. So they, they had a, a great um, set of things to look at. They noticed that they were copied. They were transcribed uh, through the centuries. In fact, the Bible was written over 1,300 years. There is not one author that got the revelation from God. There were 40 different authors. These people didn't exactly know each other over 1,300 years. They spoke three different languages, three different continents, right? So surely somewhere, when you find it over in that continent and that different language and you start placing them together, surely these people are going to have their own philosophies, own opinions, own morality, and you put them together and pretty soon they're like, "Uh uh-oh. These all are stacking up, and, and they are consistent with other, the same message. How did that happen? Because see, human nature wants to have power. Human nature is like, well, I'm a copy, but you know what? I didn't like what that guy said back in that century, so I'm going to just change this copy of the Bible. 99% of the Bible is was transcribed exactly the way it began in the originality, because they would find these transcripts that are 100 years earlier than the one they already found and they mashed up up they're like there's no manipulation here yes there's a couple of grammatical errors or changes uh, but the majority of the message was there how did that happen how could all these different people be speaking the same language someone equated to a orchestra where you got 40 different musicians playing different music on their instrument and when you get the master conductor to bring them together they are all singing the same song. How did that happen? How could they be on the same message over 1,300 years? They're all speaking this truth. The Bible speaks about God's relationship to humanity and God's plan to redeem humanity through Jesus Christ. Some of you know that in our Bible, we have 66 books. And those manuscripts are the only ones that came in their Bible because they, what they had in common was God's relationship with man, and then God's redemptive plan for humanity through Jesus Christ. That's what made it in the true north 
of the anchor of the Bible passage. We know this through these manuscripts who spoke these words. Now, what's interesting, the A stands for archaeology. What's interesting, more and more we have tools and assets to start digging, especially in the Middle East, and guess what's happening? Every time they start digging, they're pulling up artifacts from the Bible. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, the Bible, that Old Testament stuff, that's just a bunch of myths and storytelling. You can't believe in that. Crazy. You're talking about great floods and Noah's arks and, you know, giants and walls and, ah, you know, that's all. They're digging up, and they're like, oh, there's another artifact that had the pottery that's king. It was in the Old Testament. I thought it was all made up. That, that was a real historical figure because I got scientific proof right here. One of my favorite is this picture of the layout footprint of Noah's Ark. Now, I don't know if you went on YouTube and looked at this and stuff, but this is a fascinating picture uh, because this is on Mount Ararat. And Mount Ararat is by the originality of humanity and uh, where the Garden of Eden started, the, the great flood. And Genesis says that Noah landed his ship on a great mountain as the flood started ascending, right? We didn't know the name of that, that mountain. But when you measure this outline, this footprint, guess what? It's pretty much the dimensions of what God said to Noah to make his ark out. That's how large that is. It's kind of right there. Now, a lot of times we don't see many pictures of this for a couple reasons. This is a high elevation. It's usually covered over snow and ice. For some reason, it was a rare summer where a lot of the ice melt went off and they got this picture on there. Second thing is that Mount Ararat is on the border of Turkey and Iran. Now, what is the major religion in Iran and Turkey? It's not Christianity. So they do not like Westerners, especially in the Iran, to be hanging out up at their mountains on the border uh, of, their, of their, uh, their country. But if you can, you can do some research. Now, there's other artifacts. For instance, uh, they go digging around around Jericho. They find some unusual old, old bricks. They, they do some dissecting, and they realize this might be part of the Jericho wall that was spoken about in Joshua. And some of the uh, houses still remained, and they can date it back. It's like, this is what the Bible talked about right in this vicinity, and here's, here's the brick. Uh, that, that's probably it. Now, when it comes to the New Testament, someone discovered this artifact right here. That is a human bone with a nail, like a Roman nail, through it. What's that remind you of? The crucifixion. Uh, the Romans invented that horrible torture, right? And they're digging it up. That's that's what they talked about in the Bible. Jesus was pierced. Jesus was nailed by the Romans. And wow, there's living proof. Every time you start digging around, you're going to find parts of the Bible that authenticate the Bible is true. We can trust it. P is for prophecy. And the Bible is unique because it has a lot of prophecy. Prophecy is foretelling of the future. A lot of it is for future still to come that has not come into um, reality right now. But a lot of it had to do with the prophecy of Jesus as the Messiah. Some scholars would say there's 2,500 different prophecies in the whole Bible as its own. When it comes to the Mosaic prophecies of, of Jesus coming, they found that over 500 came true. For instance, you think of the book of Isaiah chapter 53. Here's a, here's a guy that's prophesying, that's writing on his tablet inspired by God. He's talking about the Messiah that, that is coming. He didn't even know that 600 years Jesus would be nailed to the cross. But in Isaiah 53, he would be pierced for our transgression. Crucifixion was not even invented. Nobody knew about that. He pierced for our tr tr uh, transgressions. 
We go on and find that the the Messiah will come from the little town of Bethlehem. Micah prophesies. Guess what? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was through the bloodline of David. Guess what? Oh, he was through the bloodline of David, born of a virgin. All these Old Testament prophecies are coming true. It's another indication, my friends, that we can trust the Bible. Not to mention hundreds of high witnesses that saw Jesus living and breathing after his resurrection. There he is. If you went to court today, one of the, the most powerful ways to legitify something is if you had an eyewitness. I saw it. We count a whole lot in that. 500 people is like, I saw Jesus living. How many of you believe in George Washington? Okay, you believe he was real? Did anybody, has anybody met George Washington? Did anybody have a photograph of, no. But why do you believe in George Washington? Uh, the historians wrote about him. Yes, well, there are historians of eyewitnesses said, we saw Jesus. He's living. All this stacks up evidence that we can trust the Bible, that the Bible gives you rock-solid truth in our ever-changing times. We have an anchor. We have a true north and the rock-solid truth. Now, uh, for a lot of years in America, the Bible was kind of this cold, gold standard for morality, ethics, values, how we treat each other. In fact, presidents used to endorse reading the Bible. Teddy Roosevelt said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Ronald Reagan said, within the covers of the Bible are the answers for all the problems of men face. All the problems that men face, it's in the covers of the Bible. President Reagan said that. Now, would you cast a president or a politician endorsing the Bible today? Hardly not. However, because of that, we don't have this true north. And without a rock-solid, transcendent truth, everything is kind of up for grabs. That's why a lot of people are feeling uneasy these days. It's kind of like having a device like a compass, but there's no magnet in there. There's no gravity pull to the north, and we're like, I don't know which way to go. What, what do you think? I, I'm not sure because we don't have an indicator to tell us what is true. Now, some people say, yeah, but the Bible is just really restrictive, right? It, it's rigid and some of the things I don't agree with. I just kind of do my own thing, right? Well, how many of us would take that same philosophy, leave here today, get in our cars and say, you know what? I just don't feel like obeying all the traffic signals and rules out there. You know, I, I, I hate those stop signs. I got to slow down. That just seems so rigid. And I got to wait to the, the green light. And that just bugs me. It just seems so restrictive, right? And, you know, I really have a lot of times to indicate. I just had this, this feeling that I want to drive fast. I know there's speed limits, but I need to have the right to drive whatever I want to feel like at the speed. And once in a while, I just feel like going left-hand lane. Who driving in the left-hand lane, you know? And, well, you shouldn't do that. Well, how dare you? putting your moralities on me because, you know, I can make up my, my own right. I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm sophisticated enough to drive wherever I want. Now you'd be like, oh, that's pretty dangerous, right? Pretty soon we got chaos. We got damage. We got heartbreak. And yet we, we take that same philosophy when it comes to our morals and our ethics in, in America, especially. We're just like, oh, we don't need a rule book. We can make up because truth comes from us, not something outside of us. But God offers us a better way. God offers us a rock-solid direction and truth that comes from his word. And the Bible points 
to, to a rock-solid truth, especially in these changing times. It's kind of like a compass in our life. We can carry this on us. We can always have it. What is truth? What is right and wrong? I love the Word of God because it helps us to navigate life. In fact, I would submit to you that our forefathers in America realized that we needed some moral truth. We needed some transcendent truth. In fact, when the Constitution was inspired by these founding fathers, they wrote this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the creator with certain inerrable rights. They are created equal. Why? Not because of our thinking, not because of the truth that we think is, is right and wrong. It's because there's a transcendent creator out there. Now, they were not inspired, nor probably should have been inspired to uh, endorse some kind of religion. Many of you know that our four founding fathers, many of them were, were Bible reading Christ followers. Some were not. Some were just deists, Right. But they realized one truth, that they needed something morally more than just what their opinion is this year or that next year. What do you think? They needed something higher than themselves. And because they believed in a creator, many of them was God himself, realized that that creator expected us to treat people with respect, equality, right? That every person, that doesn't come from someone's opinion. That comes from God. And that boils down to how we view people, that every person, no matter their skin or whatever their background, whatever their culture, whatever their, they are a child of God. God loves every human being. And God's moral book, True North, tells us we have to treat them with love and respect and compassion and care. That's how our True North tells us to act and live in everyday life. And our forefathers knew that. Well, this book also offers us um, uh, hope. It offers us how to understand life. Where did we come from? Why are we here? And what happens in the afterlife when we pass? Some people call it a biblical worldview. It helps us understand the complexities of the origins and the, the all of life. This book also teaches us the value of being grateful. It teaches us how to forgive. It teaches us the, the, the wisdom on decisions and perspectives on people and, and things. In fact, I always say that the Bible gives us the best quality of life. The more you, you read and align your life with God's ways, I say a lot of times the less trauma you have, less regret you have, less guilt that you have, and a quality of life can propel you into life. In fact, this Bible, praise God, gives us advice to, uh, from ma family matters, from parenting to marriages. It gives us parameter on human sexuality. It helps us to, to deal with people and interact with them. It gives us a view on money, how to manage it. The Bible teaches us about the value of generosity, compassion, contentment. The Bible helps us answer the big questions of why is there suffering? Is there such thing as good and evil? And God gives us through his word some emotional anchors and promises. Last week, we talked about Peter being in this predicament that he's walking on the water and there's all kinds of winds and rains and waves that are splashing up and pretty soon he's, he's fearful. And Jesus comes and reaches down and pulls him out. Why do you fear? 
Why do you doubt? Do not fear. I'm not going to leave you. How many times in our life do we need to listen and, and receive the promises of God of what is true? It helps us in our sorrow. It reminds us that God does care, that God catches every tear. He is the good shepherd. He is the faithful father. He is the Emmanuel. And when it comes to life, it, it shows us the model how to live, and mainly the main character is Jesus himself. We can read in there, well, how did he deal with grumpy people? How did he deal when he was betrayed? How did he deal with disappointment? And problem? what is the most important things in life? It's all right there in the Bible. No wonder the psalmist wrote in 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It's going to help me through life. Can you imagine every day centering your life on the true north of what God wants in your life and how he wants to remind you? What if we took time every day to say, God, I'm a little stressed out, and you read something, and it just reminds us of his faithfulness, his goodness. Oh, yeah, God, we can count on it. It's kind of like what we sang this morning. It replenishes us. It directs us. It centers us to take on the day. Now, it's true that our society today is, is, is more humanistic than ever. They're valuing their truth rather than maybe God's truth. Uh, true North is kind of up for grabs. People would say, well, I find my values through the movies. Maybe what some celebrity said or some professor said or influencers out there or my friends. That's how I make up my mind what the moral truth is. However, God offers us a compass for our life that's readily available to us. Now, I was thinking about why we don't appreciate God's word more. Why don't we read it more? And God gave me an idea to, to ask you that how many of you value, how much do you value your cell phone, right? Some of you would probably say, I, I love my cell phone. In fact, how many of you would leave the, your house without your cell phone? You'd probably say, no way. In fact, I don't leave my house without three things, Jesus, coffee, and a cell phone, right? Have you ever caught yourself leaving and you're in your car and like, oh my goodness, I don't know where my phone is. How many of you have your phone on your nightstand? Why do you have it on your nightstand charging? Because it's almost like a security blanket. Because that, that phone right there is going to uh, let you know if there's an alert going on, if there's someone trying to communicate with you, if there's some news. In fact, a lot of us, when we get up, eventually we're going to grab that phone and we're going to look for a couple things. We're going to look, is anybody trying to get a hold of us? We need to know some stuff. We might look at the, the news headlights, oh, and the, and the weather, right? And, and, just, and we feel a little bit safer. Okay, we, we know what's going on. I'm carrying this around. Do you realize that's exactly what the word of God is? He's like, man, I'm going to tell you what's going on. I want you to be warned about this. I want to remind you of this. I want you to carry it around. And then it dawned on me, guess what? We are now carrying this Bible. I don't carry this this, this physical Bible, I carry a digital Bible. Hopefully you have downloaded a Bible app. We really recommend the YouVersion Bible app. Now this, this Bible here is only one translation. If you get the YouVersion app, you got like 24 different versions, right? On the, and the, the tools that they have to the YouVersion, I mean from, from Bible plans to subjects to verses, it's all there. And, and I've discovered my Bible is always with me. 
right? Whether I'm at the park or I'm fishing or I'm at a restaurant or at the dinner table, boom, I can boom, 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 two things. I'm in the word of God. It's awesome. It's pretty convenient. It's just like my cell phone. It's going to remind me of what true north is, if I need some help, where to go, how to interact, what's really important. What if we valued the word of God as much as we valued our cell phone? I know you might say, man, the gym is pretty complicated. Man, I, I get in there and, and man, there's words and figures that I can't pronounce. I don't know what's up and down and how it all put together. And I notice that human nature is if we don't understand something or we're intimidated by something, we kind of avoid it. We, we wouldn't go there. That's why I would recommend for you uh, to get involved in the word of God. And, and this is, here's the piece of advice I have for you. Just start a baby step practice, a rhythm in your life to get into God's direction, his true north for your life. Well, how do you do that? Well, one of the best things about the YouVersion Bible app, right, it sends you a verse of the day. I could open up the verse of the day and there's a new one every day. If, if you're really not a Bible reader, we recommend that just start the practice of every day looking at that one verse. Just take a couple of seconds, maybe a couple minutes to just reflect on what that means and how you can apply that or, or even pray through it to say, yes, I think God's speaking to me. I, I might need to apply that in my life or thank you for that reminder. Thank you for that assurance. Just a baby step of a verse of the day will get you started in a, in, in a more solid life, a solid rock with Christ. Because the Bible points you to a solid truth in our ever-changing days. So in closing, I, I wanted to show you a picture of this city. This is Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't know if you've ever been there. We uh, had an opportunity to live there uh, five years before we moved to Minnesota. And this, these mountains, as you see, are called the Sandia Mountains. When the sun goes down, that, that's a, I think, a native word for red. They kind of turn red. Now, my wife, she uh, readily admits that she is directionally challenged. I don't know if you're directionally challenged or struggled, but, but uh, in the 90s when we lived there, uh, this was before cell phones and GPS days, that this mountain range, the same day, helped her find her way around and eventually get home. Because she knew that the Sandia Mountains were always on the east of Albuquerque. We lived on the west, and the Rio Grande River goes right through the middle of, of town. So she would come out of the mall of the store. She's like, uh, what road do I get back home, right? She's like, oh, those mountains right there are always going to be on the east. That means north is that way, and we live west. I'll get on that road, and I'll eventually get home mo most of the time, Right? Because those mountains never moved. And because those mountains were anchored and unmovable, true north was always central and true. My friends, God offers you a true north. It's his word of God that doesn't alter, that doesn't change. What God said yesterday is true today. He doesn't change. And when things get dicey and things get uncertain and we're not sure, we can always open up the word of God and it's going to lead us to what's right, what's wrong, what's true in our life, and give us reassurance, calmness, and hope to take on the day. Would anybody like that? Well, let's stand and let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. 
gracious God, you're such a good God. You knew that in our life there would be so many uh, variables and changes and that we would need some kind of component. We just need something in our hands to remind us to hang on, to be solid in, in our direction and thought in everyday life. Thank you for your word, the Bible, God. Thank you that you inspired 40 different authors over 1,300 years who hardly knew each other, but God, they heard your voice and they penned what you had for them. And it all lines up for your love for us. It all lines up that we can have confidence, God, that your word can be our anchor, can be our compass to navigate anything from parenting to relationships to money to fear uh, and even the afterlife, God. It's all in there. Help us to value that like we value our cell phones, God, and go in confidence, live in a solid way through your truths. We ask all this in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you for watching us online and thank you for coming. God bless you. Have a great week.